Welcome to the Spinster Life Podcast, the podcast about the differences between how the world sees single women and how we view ourselves. Today, we have a very special treat. I'm joined by Lucy from Spinsterhood Reimagined. That's right, there's more than one spinster podcast, and I got to talk to the host of that podcast. We did a podcast swap, so our conversation is featured on both of our podcast feeds. Part one is here on The Spinster Life, and part two is on Lucy's podcast feed, Spinsterhood Reimagined. I had such a great conversation with Lucy. We have so much in common. Not just that we have podcasts about being spinsters, not just that we both love being single. I cannot wait for you to listen. Just a note about the audio before you dive in. We did have some technical issues with the audio this episode, just one of the many joys of recording remotely. I've done my best to restore it so it's as listenable as possible. So if you can just hang in there for a couple of minutes, honestly, you stop noticing it. You stop noticing the imperfections in the audio and you start noticing the amazing conversation. The content is amazing. And that's why we still wanted to share with you, even though it's not as clean and pristine as either of us would have liked it to be. I'll link everything in the show notes. So here is our conversation. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm so glad that we are doing this. Hey, I mean, we're just, we're winging it, aren't we? We are, we are winging it. I want to wing it with you because we have so much to talk about. I don't think we can be contained by any sort of structure, any sort of outline. We're going to bust through whatever we write down anyway, so why even write anything down? I'm curious to hear where we're going to go, and I hope everyone listening is very curious to hear where two spinsters are going to go in a conversation. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I haven't done any of the of my podcast interviews without any kind of question sort of at the side of my screen. But for this, I got nothing. Got literally nothing apart from <laughs> you on the screen and my mouth to talk and hopefully my I brain. Love it. To... I love it. But we have so much in common. We do. We have... So obviously, the very obvious thing that we both have podcasts about being single women. Exactly. We do. And we're doing this kind of swap, aren't we? So half of this interview is going to go out on my Spinster to Reimagine podcast. Yes. And the other half of it is going to go out on your Spinster Life podcast. So if you want to hear both, you have to cross over to the other podcast, which we thought yes. was a really good idea, right? I think it's an amazing idea. And I, I love that about this single lady space. We're here to support each other. We're 100%. not competing. Exactly. We're all in this together. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I had a conversation with, you know, Denita Steinberg, amazing Denita Steinberg. Yeah. Loves her. We were talking about, well, I, I basically said to her, one of the best things that has come, if not the best thing, actually, that has come from starting a podcast is the fact that every single woman I've interviewed has just been totally cool, totally lovely really bright, really interesting. All of the people that I've met through doing this podcast, who I would never have met if I wasn't doing this podcast. It honestly, it makes my heart kind of swell to think about it. It truly, truly does. You know, yourself included. I mean, we wouldn't have met if I hadn't started a podcast or been, I wouldn't have been on Instagram. And that's what's so great about no, it. Like you I... say, there's no competition because we're all, we're all wanting to lift each other up. The thing I love about it and which is why I'm so happy to promote other people's podcasts, and I'm sure you are too, is because every single one of us in this space has a completely different vibe and a completely different take, and are just we're just all so different. So, yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? We're all going to attract different people to us. Exactly. And I think people who listen to podcasts, they love podcasts. They don't just listen to one podcast. They listen to all of them. And I've also talked about all of us creators in the single lady space as being pioneers. I've never described myself that way, but I guess... I, like I am included in the in the pioneership. That can I can I be included in the pioneership? You are. You are absolutely in the pioneership. We I'll are charting I'll tell you that. these un, uncharted waters in this brand new genre, the single lady genre. I want us to be as big as like the mommy blogger. Absolutely. Am I not swear? Yes. Absolutely. Yes, please do. <laughs> because yeah, frankly, I mean, if I, we can't have this conversation without swearing. I, I might have to leave this uh, podcast <laughs> room because it's I can't get through it without I, using the F word a few times I, I'm afraid. Uh, I can't either I do love cursing I've done videos about cursing and I've learned a lot about it do you actually know that they've found and through studies that people who curse more are found to be more intelligent I actually didn't um, know that first and I'm all, one well I'm wondering whether did you tell me that when we first had our first conversation or did I know very that from possibly reading? Either I know it from you or I know it from reading an article. I can't remember which, but yes, I did know that. And I think it's awesome. I love it because I swear the whole time. So now I just think I'm really, really intelligent, which is probably <laughs> complete bollocks. <laughs> um, and it's also a way to quickly bond with people. Yeah. It lets people know like, oh, she swears. We are of a like mind. We both totally. use these words. And it's such totally. a... It's such a small thing really and but it, it can bind people together oh my god i i so know what you mean it's almost as if whenever i hear someone swearing on another podcast i'm like oh my god i love her because it immediately makes you feel like she's real she's like a real human yeah. being somehow as soon as someone said the f word i'm like well now i really like you now i think you're totally cool same same, absolutely. I'm like, I get her. I understand her. Totally, totally, and, totally. And I feel like she would understand me. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> now, shall I ask you a question? I would love that. Yes, please. Seeing as this is a podcast, both of our podcasts about spinsterhood, tell me your single story and then I can tell you mine. How long? Oh, how come? Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. We could start so, with that. Um, my podcast. Okay, so let's go back to like the dating. So I dated a lot in my 20s and my 30s. And I was like, this is my thing. I'm a person who dates a lot. And then uh, I about in my mid 30s, probably 36 or 37. I just had a few bad run ins with some men that I was dating. And I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And it wasn't a very conscious decision to like, really embrace spinsterhood. I was just like, I need a break. I need to stop. Cut to several years later, so the beginning of the pandemic was actually in the like in the middle of of a meltdown, like an absolute meltdown. It was like three in the morning. I was sobbing. It was the beginning oh of the pandemic. God. I was like, I don't know what's happening with my life. Oh my god! And, and, and my friend Eva texts me from out of the blue. I don't know how she knew that I needed someone to talk to in that moment, but she did. And we just started chatting. And she asked me, are you dating anybody? And I said, no. And she said, oh, you're living the spinster life, eh? And that's where the idea started. And Aye. we went off on a tangent, as we often do. And we were like, oh, what, what could this be? This could be a podcast. This is what this is going to be. And we have a lot of these ideas. We'd never followed through before. 
And this was the one that stuck out to me and that I, I glommed onto and I was like, yes, yes, we are starting. We're starting the spinster life. We got Instagram handles. We got URLs. We, we got all of the things to make the spinster life a reality. We recorded our first episode, I believe, in October of 2020. And then I sat on it for a while until I edited it and released it. And our first episode was about Susan B. Anthony. Uh-huh. Our first few episodes were about famous spinsters through history. And since then, the podcast has uh, evolved greatly. Unfortunately, Eva has had to step back from the show. So yeah, started as a joke and then ended up as something very deadly serious. And now I really am very committed to living the spinster life. I really can't imagine another way to be living right now. It just makes total sense. And it has just been one of the best things that I've ever done for myself. I just feel so much less stress and annoyance and yeah. Yeah. And I'm having a great time getting to know myself. It's so interesting. I find that some people think of the word spinster as they think of it as something that we're kind of committed to be forever. And the reason I ask you this is because I personally don't think, I mean, A, it, I wouldn't actually describe myself as a spinster if I was having a conversation with somebody I'd never met in my entire life. I sort of used the word as a, almost a bit tongue-in-cheek when I started my podcast, and, and because it really is the only word, apart from my like bachelorette. But it interests me that there are women out there I'm discovering who very much think of the word spinster as being somebody who has made a choice and made a decision to be single forever. And that's not where I'd sit. And although, echoing what you just said about how it's the best thing you've ever done and you're absolutely loving it, and I am right there with you. I've been single for nearly five years myself now, and I absolutely bloody love it. And it would take me a lot to get into another relationship, which I'm sure we can go on to talk about. But I don't see myself as necessarily being single for the rest of my life. I might be. I haven't got a fucking clue. It could go either way, but I'm certainly not shut down to the idea of relationship and I find it interesting when I discover more and more that quite a lot of people who would describe themselves as a spinster have made that decision to be that forever. What was your take on that? I think I'm of a similar mind to you that I don't think that spinster has to mean forever but I'm also personally discovering that I think I'm I think I'm okay with that. I think I was someone before who was like, oh yeah, I might get married. And I think at this point I would not get married. I think I want my relationship to look different now than I did before I considered yeah. myself a spinster. I think any relationship that I'd be in, I'd want to be much more independent. I don't think I want to move in with anybody ever. My relationships used to look like hey, let's just spend all of our free time together. And I don't think that it would look like that now. More boundaries if I yeah. were to be in a relationship. But yes, I think also when I started the podcast and I wanted to talk about Spencers from history, I was very adamant that these were people that were never married. And I have loosened the reins on that. And I, I'm much more flexible when it comes to discussing women who just weren't married for a really long time. Yeah. And really embrace their independence. And even if they did eventually get married, or if they were married briefly, and then they weren't like Gloria Steinem, Gloria Steinem had been married very briefly. Yeah. But was single for most of her life. So that's also, I think, part of my shifting attitudes towards spinsters and towards being single overall. Yeah. 
I know. It's so interesting, isn't it? One thing, actually, that I want to remember to say before I forget is that whilst we're both open to a relationship down the line, whenever that may be, and I think the great thing about where we both are is that we're not bothered. It's like we're not bothered if and when it's going to happen. And I think that's my whole point about being single and not having kids and being a spinster, that even though I am open to a relationship somewhere down the road, the point is that I'd also be happy to stay single. The point is that it's possible to be happy where we are right now without being motivated or distracted by thoughts of getting into another relationship. And apart from anything else, I'm so into my life and what I'm doing and I have so much going on and I'm so focused on the things that I love doing and the things that kind of bring me joy and the things that light me up that I pretty much could say I'm never thinking about my next relationship. It's just, it's not even something that that really even occurs to me. Apart from yeah. maybe a fleeting thought, like if I see a hot bloke or... I, do you know what I mean? It's, it's just it's not yeah. just not even something that it's not something that I am preoccupied by or distracted by or even thinking about. And what makes me laugh is that I think so many people assume that that as a single woman, of course, you're constantly thinking about how am I going to get a boyfriend or when am I going to be in a relationship again? It's like no, 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 doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Oh my God, yes. It's been such a huge shift that definitely used to be me. Like, well, when I get a boyfriend, then everything will be fine. And I definitely don't think that anymore. And yeah, I have so much more brain space to dedicate to literally everything because that's not what I'm thinking about. And that's been one of the things that's really been the most important to me to talk about. Obviously, I want to talk to single women and I want to make content for single women, but I also want to make content for women who might not be single right now and to just let them know that like the relationship isn't everything and you need to have that relationship with yourself first oh that's the really important one that's the really important one. Oh my god i'm so glad you said that amy i could not agree more and the thing is is that it doesn't matter whether people agree with that or think it's a load of woo-woo shit It is the way it is. It just is the way it is. It just is, yes. Yeah, it just is whether you believe it, air quotes, whether you believe it to be the case or not, it it is just the way that it is. And I have found, and I'm sure you have too, that actually the last few years that I've been single, I kind of cringe every time I say the inner work because it sounds so corny and cringy and naff, but, but it is what it is. And... The last few years of doing the inner work, I can honestly, honestly say that I've never been in such a good place in my head as I am now. And I'm pretty damn sure that that is partly to do with why being single just isn't even a thing. I'm just living my life, whether or not I'm single. It's so immaterial because it's where you are in your own head. I keep going on about this to people and I will keep going on about it because because it's everything and it's such a revelation when you actually it's so freeing when you really get that and when you really understand that yes truly happiness comes from yourself it's as simple as that if someone could have explained this to me earlier in my life 
Oh, how many how many years of this nonsense could I have avoided? Like almost almost all of them, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, know. I, <laughs> I know, I know. I did it the hard way. I climbed up the mountain instead of taking the, the path that was there. I guess that is my path. My path is the mountain. I'm a woo-woo person inside, but I can't admit that on the outside. <laughs> really? Well, I totally, yeah. I totally get that because I've only recently started to admit that on the outside. I do post spiritual stuff. I don't know if you've seen it on my Instagram, but I do go a bit woo on my Instagram. And it kind of gives me the absolute fear every time I do it. And I feel sick. And I'm like, everyone's going to think I've gone crazy. And I'm just like, you know, I don't get, I really don't fuck. Because no. this is what I believe in. Once you start embracing your inner woo-woo on the inside and the outside, then life just becomes a lot easier. And when your friends see that you're exactly the same person, probably just actually a lot better version of the person you used to be, yeah. then it's only a good thing. It is only a good thing. I think you're right at home with the woo on Instagram. I think there is definitely an audience on Instagram, so you might be able to connect with more of your, your woo-woo people. Um, <laughs> woo-woo people. I and, love it. <laughs> and further, really working on yourself and your relationship with yourself shouldn't be considered woo-woo. It really shouldn't. We're taught, work on your relationships with others, be nice to others, think about others, be kind to others. But we're never taught, be kind to yourself, be friends with yourself. 100%. And the frustrating thing is that often if you start talking to the wrong people, people that sort of aren't into this kind of stuff, you can sort of see the eye rolls and they're kind of like, oh. God, you're talking to such a little shit again. I reckon in the States, it's a lot. you're a lot better off than you are here in the UK because when you start talking about, oh, love yourself, you've got to learn to love yourself, it's just, it's still seen as such a kind of eye-rolly thing to say. Would I... Would that be fair, do you think, to say that? Maybe that's why I end up just kind of like spending loads of time on Zoom calls with Americans. <laughs> because um, I do. I, I really do. I think that America is a place of the individual. Yeah. The, the, in, the cult of the individual. The individual is held above all else. It's encouraged for you to be, you know, a little bit more, um, I'm going to use self-centered, but I don't mean that in the, in the way that you know you're being like selfishly self-centered but just that yeah. you are you can focus on yourself and your own growth and your own development and your own thoughts and you don't need to stuff your thoughts into the tidy box that society yeah. has already constructed for you to put thoughts in you're allowed yeah. to think outside the box yeah totally i wonder whether you know how you were saying just now about you wish you'd known about this all this sort of mindset stuff when you were younger but i wonder whether it's something that kind of comes with getting older but even as I say that I realize there are plenty of people out there in their 20s who are all over this kind of stuff but yeah so actually what I've just said is totally irrelevant because I just disproved I, myself in the space I, of 20 seconds what I've just said but <laughs> so uh, I, if you want to carry on talking I'm gonna shut up <laughs> I don't know that you're wrong. I really don't know that you're wrong about the age thing. As I said, I wish someone had told me this earlier. I also don't know that I would have listened earlier. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think age really does help you to grow. You have many more years of experience. Mm. You've come across these emotions before. When you're younger, all of these emotions, are they're brand new. And you often just don't know how to handle them because you're feeling them for the first time. But you've, we've been around and we've seen things. So I do think that it does become easier to accept these things as you get older. Yeah. I, I found that to be true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Going back to the whole sort of spinsterhood thing. One of the best things in my experience about 
being a spinster is that I have had the time and the space. I've been afforded the time because I'm not I'm not distracted by my three small kids or my husband or my boyfriend. That to me is one of the biggest benefits of all of being single and child free is that you get to spend so much time on yourself. And some people might yeah. might look upon that as like, oh my God, you selfish bitch. But actually, one of the best things about being afforded the time to to sort of work on yourself is that by doing that, you are actually showing up as a better person to all the people around you. And because of that, you are being a better friend, a better sister, a better daughter, a better auntie to all of those people. Because I certainly think that I'm in a much better position now to be really supportive. And when you're in a really good place in your own head, it means that you don't need the kind of, um, you don't need people's time to try and sort of talk about your own, I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but I feel like I need less time to talk about my own problems, is what I'm trying to say. And I've got more time to be there for other people because I feel good in my own head. And therefore, I think I'm just better for the people around me than I perhaps was 10 years ago. Does that make sense? Amen. Yes, yes, yes. I've talked about this a lot too. I absolutely believe that. You do need to have some sort of grounding to be a good friend. You have to be able to take care of your own needs to some extent. I'm not saying that you shouldn't ever rely on other people. You definitely need other people and you need other people to support you. But when you're able to support yourself, whatever, 60% of the way, yeah, it, it makes you a better person. It makes you easier to be around. It makes you, it makes it easier to be around yourself when you are able to support yourself like that. Yeah, for so, sure. Yes. yes. For sure. Yeah. Um, you're talking about all this work that you've done on yourself. And I want to hear more about your journey to creating a spinster podcast. Oh, okay. 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 Um, it's so weird answering someone's questions about, about me. Cause I'm so used to answer to, to <laughs> you or you, I'm sure you're the same. You're the same. I'm but, the same. Yes. Um, okay. So to cut a long story short, any of my friends who are listening will be rolling their eyes at this point. Cause I'm famous among my friends of saying to cut a long story short and then giving a really long story. So I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and actually cut it short. So rewind to uh gosh how many years ago five six and I was still working at Radio 2 at that point and the guy my ex-boyfriend I had met through my job at BBC Radio 2 for any of the Americans out there who don't know what Radio 2 is without the BBC bit in front of it so I was working at Radio 2 and in a really not good relationship we were together for about two and a half years and I should have left within about the first two months and it was a very destructive very toxic relationship and as I say I should have got out a lot sooner but I didn't for whatever reason because at that point unlike now I was in a shit state in my head I was I had become embroiled in this really really bad relationship and I lost myself, essentially. I, I totally lost myself to this relationship. And whilst I knew in my heart that I needed to get out, my gut knew from very, very early on that he was not right for me or right full stop. And because I was in not together and not myself and I just wasn't thinking clearly, 
I did something slightly crazy, which was I knew I needed to get away from him. So I left Radio 2 to become a fucking detective, as you do. Um, <laughs> I know. As, as I know. It's that's really just, the, the, the standard career path. It is, isn't it? You go from working in music and radio, la, 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 to suddenly becoming a freaking detective. Leaving Radio 2 was the hardest thing I had ever done in my life because I was so unsure about leaving. But put it in a little bit of contest, so it, contest, context even. It wasn't totally random. I, I did psychology at university. I've always, always had an interest in the workings of the criminal mind. When I was at university doing psychology, I actually planned on doing forensic psychology as an MSc, criminology, and becoming a forensic psychologist and working with criminals. But for reasons I won't bore you with, I didn't do that. I uh, clearly have watched way too many detective shows that made being a detective look <laughs> super cool and, you know, really interesting and really rewarding and la, 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 la. Radio 2 is, is notoriously hard to get into because once people get in there, they just never leave. There are people at Radio 2 who have been there for, you know, their entire careers because it's a great place to work. But even when I was there, I had always had a sort of something inside me that felt as if I wanted more, that, I, that there was just something that I was searching for that I wasn't finding even within a job that I thought I was going to find the thing that I was looking for at, if that makes any sense. And so I suppose the detective thing, I thought maybe this will be something where I'd find whatever the hell it is I'm looking for. And at the same time, leave Radio 2 and therefore leave the world that my ex-boyfriend was frequenting. He, he is a musician, um, and a classical musician, not a rock star. Sadly, I think feel like I, actually I should have just left it at musician. It sounds way cooler. Anyway, so left Radio Two, became a detective. The Metropolitan Police in London were doing a brand new scheme whereby you could join as a detective directly. Because I had never had any interest in joining like the police, but I had always thought that being a detective could potentially be a very interesting job. I finally walked away from that relationship. I became a detective. I did like six months training, started the job, fucking hated it. Absolutely awful. The worst job ever. Don't do it. It just wasn't what I expected. I didn't like the culture. I was very much thrown in at the deep end. And and basically, I'd sort of tried to tell myself for a while, it'll get better, it'll get better. And of course, when I very first joined, I, I kind of had that hope of what it might end up being. And it just it just never did. And I just got more and more and more sort of down and stressed. I had like endless cases. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I'd never done this job before. And it just was so stressful that I got to a point where it, it was taking over my life and not in a good way. And one evening I was on the bus back home from work. This was January, February of 2020. So just before we went into lockdown and I was on the bus on my way home and I ended up staying on the bus an extra stop to go to my GP surgery. And it was half past five in the evening. And I didn't think for a minute I would get an appointment, but I walked in and I looked at this receptionist and I had tears in my eyes. And I just said, is there a doctor that I can speak to? And I think she could just see the desperation in my face. And five minutes later, I couldn't believe it. My GP just walked out and sort of took me into his room. And I just broke down on this guy. I was like, oh, my God, I'm like cracking up. And he signed me off. Literally weeks before we went into the first major lockdown here in the UK, I suddenly was um, on, you know, sick leave, essentially. And we were in lockdown. So for the 
first time in my adult life I had time to just be still and just think about what the hell I wanted from my life. I ended up being signed off for quite a few months. So I sort of had that summer of lockdown, um, just working out, you know, okay, what am I going to do? And, and, and very, very quickly, I was like, I've got to get out of the Met. I knew I had to leave that job. And so I did. And I handed my notice in, in the middle of lockdown. I think everyone thought I'd completely lost the plot at that point. Cause it was like, what? So you've just left Radio 2 and now you're leaving the detective thing. What are you going to do? And I literally became my sister's cleaner <laughs> and got a part-time job <laughs> in a coffee shop, both of which things I'm still doing now. And then last summer, I was sitting outside on the bench, beautiful summer's evening, and out of nowhere, I just got this download to write a book about being single and child-free. It, I'd never thought about writing a book ever in my entire life like never and I was like oh my god oh my god I'm gonna I'm gonna write a book and I think the only reason why I got that download was because I'd had time for the first time in my adult life to start working on myself and to take some time to really do that whole inner journey and inner work and I was just in a really good place in my head and anyway, I walked back into my flat and literally sat down at my desk and started writing a freaking book about being single and child free. And for about the next three months, I was writing like a freaking maniac. Like it was like everything was just pouring out to the page. And so the book came before the podcast. And then in November, I started listening to a podcast by a woman. I don't know if you've heard of an amazing American woman. She's basically now my coach as well. She's called Kathy Heller. She's got a podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job. And she talked a lot on her podcast about how anyone can start a podcast and we should all start a podcast. And funnily enough, when I'd been at Radio 2, I'd always felt in my heart that I wanted to be behind the microphone. Like, I didn't want to be the one that was producing the show. I wanted to be freaking presenting it. Like it but, but but at that point it felt like some crazy dream. But I never felt like it was something that would ever be a reality. So anyway, after listening to this particular podcast, I just started thinking about it. I was just like, I am going to start a podcast. And even though it felt like a crazy bonkers idea, I just made a decision. And the reason I'm saying this is because before I had done this personal development work and this sort of growth work, I would never in a million years have started a podcast. It's only because I'd got to a point in my head and in my life. It sounds so corny, but because I had done all this sort of work on myself, I got to the point where I was like, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And even though it's been terrifying, um, I've done it. That really wasn't a short story, was it? It wasn't a long story short. It was a long, it was a long story long. Well, <laughs> these journeys rarely are um oh, I, I guess God. what i i took from that was we have a kind of similar vein in there about covid and how really you know while it's been a tragedy and it's it's been awful it, it's also sort of been a very welcome disruption that's yeah. you know that's given all of us time to look at the status quo and go oh maybe you know maybe i didn't need to be worried about all of these things that I was always worried about. We just didn't know how to think differently about our lives. And now we know how to think differently about our lives. And we know that we can choose different things. I think maybe even that shifted my thinking about being single, that I don't have to date and I don't have to 
I don't have to do all of, of those things to get the relationship and pursue that path. Totally. Completely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and yeah, I mean, I certainly, although I'm currently working in a coffee shop and cleaning my sister's house twice a week, <laughs> that I, I don't intend on doing either of those things forever. I very much have a sort of vision of where I'm going because I always knew that I wanted out of the rat race. I wanted out of the nine to five. I always felt like I don't want to work for some company that I just don't want to work for. And yeah. and I think that that mindset shift has made me realize that, do you know what? There are a million other things that I could do here and I can create, the. I can intentionally create the life that I want. And that's what I'm trying to do just day by day, baby step by baby step but I've said this to, to my mum who thinks oh god but I've said you know I have absolutely no intention of going back to a nine-to-five office job ever again don't ask me how I'm I'm going to kind of earn money and and you know whatever for the rest of my life but all I know is that I'm very 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 determined to basically create my own business and and, and work for myself and have the freedom to live the kind of life that I want and not have to get on the tube and travel into London and go to an office. And, yeah, and, like and then say, sit there for eight hours yeah, and then yeah. think about all of the other things that you want to be doing with your life. Exactly. And then getting home and being too tired to do any of them. Exactly. And just thinking, do you know what? No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to suck this up and, and I'm just not going to do it anymore. So it's, it is very interesting how COVID I think has made a lot, a lot of people think there's so much more yeah. scope now. Right. There's so many more versions of what work is and what it can be. Exactly. And I think that very nicely accompanies the uprising of the single lady movement. That <laughs> that recognizing it as this really valid life choice and not just this kind of in-between, this kind of miasma of you're not in a relationship and you're, you know, you're not committed to being a single lady. Like you are, you're assumed to be in that state of readiness to be in a relationship at any point when you're single, but there might be another path. Absolutely. And I tell you something, I suppose it's partly to do with the kind of circles that we are now floating around in, in, in cyberspace with other single women. But my God, it feels as though a shift is starting to happen, which is why I feel, and I'm sure you do too, so passionately about doing this podcast. And I'm sure that you, like me, I mean, I've had such incredible emails and messages from listeners just going, thank you for doing yeah. this podcast. And it spurs you on, doesn't it? When you get people saying, thank you so much. I've been looking for something like this. And oh my God, I just resonate with everything you're saying. And I finally found someone who was saying out loud the things that I've been thinking for years. And it really makes you think, oh, my gosh, there really is this kind of uprising. That's the yeah. right word. Yeah. I mean, we've, single women have been here all along. We have been growing as a group of people, both in the U.S. and the U.K., for a long time. Yeah. But it's not really talked about and acknowledged because it's thought of as a temporary state of being. And it's not encouraged to be a permanent state of being. Exactly. But again, it's that thing, isn't it, of it doesn't have to be a one or the other it can yeah. kind, of, kind of be an either or. And you don't have to either choose to be a spinster for the rest of your life or only want to be in a relationship. There is a, a road yes. that you can walk down where you're like, well, I'm great being single and 
whichever path happens to open up for me next, whether it's a boyfriend or whether it's more more of the single life, either one is great. Yeah. It's like you don't have to look for a relationship anymore. You can just yeah. kind of, like wait. And if it happens, that's great. And if it doesn't, you don't have to think that you need to settle. You don't have to be in the position that you are in where you were in a really bad relationship. In the back of your head, you were like, I need to get out. Do you have any idea of what kind of thoughts you were having that were keeping you there, even though somewhere you knew that you needed <clears throat> to to break up? It was an abusive relationship, not physically, but emotionally. I was very confused by some of his behaviours. But I remember I started Googling various things because I was trying to work out what the hell was going on. And in answer to your question... Although intuitively, I knew deep down in my soul that I had to leave within about having been with him only for about six months, because I thought that I was in love and I had that part of me that wanted to make it work and wanted to be with him. But then for the last year or so of only a two and a half year relationship, I knew that I was going to leave. And all I can say is that I was a plucking up the courage to leave and b i was trying to get myself to a point where because even though it wasn't a great relationship and even though he was bad news for me um i was having to grieve the relationship because not every second was bad so in the moments where it was good i was like oh god and i still felt like oh but i don't want to lose him because i love him and la 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 as you do there were sort of two different versions of me that one of which was loved him and wanted to make it work. And I remember we broke up in October, end of October, five years ago this October. And in the August, we went to France and had a fucking disastrous holiday. We were at this campsite and I remember saying to myself, I am leaving him when I get home. That, that is it. I've got to leave this man because I've, I've, I've got to save myself. So it kind of got so bad that I realised that I had to save myself. And then eventually I plucked up the courage and... Yeah, I don't really talk about the details of it too much on the podcast because it it was a very, it, it, it really wasn't great. But by the same token, he's also a human being. So I don't want to be sort of slagging him off and going into massive amounts of detail. In fact, in the book, actually, yeah. I, do, I do mention a few moments in the book about quite serious things that happened, but I don't talk about it very much, but yeah. I think what you said illustrates perfectly our cultural obsession with like love and true love. Yeah. And that because you love someone, you should put up with more. And I think that's something that women are taught as well, that because you love someone, that's enough to justify staying in the relationship. Exactly. Even if it's a terrible relationship because of course when you're in when you're sort of in the midst of a relationship and you're embroiled in it the sort of thing alone can be scary but I think yeah you know I think that's part of the problem with probably many people who stay in a relationship for longer than they should and in some cases forever because the thought of being alone feels so much scarier to a lot of people and I've totally been there but it's frustrating, isn't it? Because you and I know how great it is when you can you get to the point on your own where you're loving it so much that, if anything, 
the thought of getting into another relationship is like the scary thing, not not being alone. When I look back on dating, there were a lot of times when I was maybe getting a little bit serious with someone and just kind of thinking about what my life would look like if we were to become more serious and we were to be a couple. I was often like afraid of losing things about myself or how my life would have to change to accommodate this person. And yeah, it's so easy for us to to look back and talk about that emotion of of saying it's okay it's okay to jump to the single side it's okay because there is this cultural narrative of the sad sad single spinster and she's alone and she dies alone and nobody loves her and <laughs> and all of these things that that go along with that, that um, single is bad narrative yeah. that compels people to get into relationships yeah completely and it's and this is why i mean obviously this is why we're doing our podcast because yes but i but i i my mission you see is to make and i'm sure you'll see what all of our all of us really in this space is to make the word spinster to be like oh, i fucking love to be a spinster <laughs> we want to make it like bachelor like exactly. bachelor is like a like a freewheeling man he's like a he's a george clooney he's so desirable but yet he won't commit Totally. But that's not the case with the spinster. It's usually like, oh, she's old and we don't like that. And there's always the assumption with spinsters that they are the ones that have been rejected as opposed to maybe half yeah. the spinsters out there, half the single women out there. Actually, they're not necessarily single because they couldn't get a bloke or they were rejected or they have been left on the shelf. It's like, this is one of the main things about it that I find so frustrating is like well actually you know some of us have were the ones that walked away and we were the ones that rejected the guy rather than how because there's always that annoying assumption isn't there that that if you're yeah. a single woman of a certain age then it's you that's been it's you that couldn't get a bloke or you that got rejected rather than right you being you the one that the... did the re yeah there's something wrong with you and not you just haven't found the right relationship where I think that absolutely is the attitude towards bachelors or men that, uh, you know, men that are older and are also single that oh, they, just, they just haven't found the right woman yet. But with women, it's they're they're old and dried up and useless. So I know I mean, obvious, obviously no one would marry them. But the thing is, it's we, we've got to start laughing at it because it is laughable. It is laughable. The fact that. Yeah. This still remains the narrative of society, whatever freaking country you're in. It it, it remains, but uh, but you know, it's it's the likes of you and I and all the other people that you've had on your podcast and I've had on mine. We're the ones that have got to be having these conversations to get people to realise that just isn't the case, or it's certainly not always the case. In the same way that it's not, it's sometimes the case with a bloke that he's been left on the shelf or he got rejected, but it's often not the case and. He was the one that walked away. Well, it's exactly the same for women. It's exactly the same. And that, that relationship doesn't define anyone. Yeah. It's a part of their life, but it doesn't define who they are. And it doesn't give that life more value than someone who is single. Completely. Uh, 100%. I mean, it, it's exactly that. It, it, but, that's one of the, but that's one of the reasons why I love being single, actually. It's because even when I was... Even when I'm in a relationship, I don't like being defined as part of a couple. 
it, and in my last few relationships, I'm not counting the guy, my most recent ex, because he was a different kettle of fish entirely. My two or three boyfriends previous to him, who were all absolutely lovely, and I still love them to pieces with great guys. In those sort of two or three relationships, even then, I had a bit of an issue with being defined as a part of a couple. I found that I, I always... Um, it, it always makes me feel like I'm sort of slightly losing my identity to a relationship, which for me isn't something that I thrive on. Whereas I think some women, it might it, it is perhaps fair to say that some women absolutely love being defined as part of a couple and that's who they want to be and they want to be a Mrs. Whoever or, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So that, that's just quite an interesting thing, isn't it? I think that's because that's kind of what's been modeled for us. That's yeah. what we see is, you know, a woman takes her husband's name um, traditionally. That sort of is, you know, what we see. That's sort of what it, being part of a relationship means in some aspects. I guess I never thought about it so formally, but I, I think that that definitely is one aspect. Um, and yeah, I've also felt like that, that I've lost myself in relationships. I haven't paid an attention to aspects of myself. I've let them kind of wither on the vine to pay attention to the relationship more and to be more invested in the relationship. And that's yeah, um, yeah. and that's not a and that's not a great feeling. And when I realized that I was doing it and realized that there was another way to be, that was one of of the you know defining moments of my like later adulthood was to realize that I I am a person outside of a relationship. I'm not a person waiting to get into a relationship. I am just me, whether I'm in that relationship or not. Absolutely. And when you get to a point where you feel great about being single, which I think is the point that we want to get across to single women, you are feeling good about it. When you get to that point where you just become more of who you are outside of a relationship, it's, isn't it just the best feeling? I mean, it truly is. Yeah. It really is. It really is. It really is. <laughs> yeah. I am so glad that we got to talk about this. Me too. Um, Absolutely. Oh, gosh. I'm just thinking at the time. So we've been recording yes. for over an hour, haven't we? We have. Let's continue this conversation on Spinsterhood Reimagined. Absolutely. Part two will be on my podcast. So you have to come over to my podcast if you want to hear the second half. <laughs> Let's yes, hope they do. I will. I will link everything in the description below, so you'll be able to uh, click on over to that and hear part two of this conversation. See you in a bit. Just amazing. I'm so glad that Lucy and I had the chance to talk to each other about being single and about why we got into podcasting and how that, for us, was a very natural offshoot of deciding to be single. That's part one. Head over to Spinsterhood Reimagined to continue the conversation. You can find Lucy on Instagram at Spinsterhood Reimagined. If you want more Spinster Life podcasts, we are also on Instagram at Living the Spinster Life. You can also visit the website, spinsterlife.com, or shoot me an email, spinsterlifepodcast at gmail.com. Love hearing from you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.